Tubals in a China Shop is brought to you by these great companies that are giving us money to let you listen to their stuff. Bullshit, Kyle. We make this show. We make this show. You and me. Tubals in a China Shop is brought to you by us. <laughs> Someone's got to pay the bills, Dan, because it's not our trading. <laughs> <laughs> All right, roll them. You are listening to an entertainment program put together by a company called Financial Ineptitude. Anything said on this show is not an endorsement or professional advice. Would you really want to tell a court of law you were suing us because you thought taking financial advice from two idiots on a podcast put out by Financial Ineptitude was a good idea? Really? Clown hats on your face. Well, hello and welcome, everyone. Glad you made it to the China Shop, kicking those doors open today, talking about some news. I'm Shopkeeper Dan. With me today is the wondrous Eric from ES Invests. How are you doing today, Eric? What's up, my dude? It's good to be here as always on Wednesdays. And I actually had to confess to you, I, I straight up lied to you when you said, like, am I ready? And I said I was born ready. I was actually yeah. born with my umbilical cord wrapped around my throat and I came out blue. Oh, so you were born gasping for air. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to kill myself. I was getting into autoerotic asphyxiation a little premature. <laughs> a great time was had by all. Oh, wow. Wow. Well, if that doesn't get you ready to talk about some news, I don't know what will. We're just skip-skip-tubles trading information. What? Tubles trading information. I'm inclined to agree. Tubles trading information. That is accurate. Very accurate. What information? All right. Got, got a lot going on today, Eric. A lot going on. I hear you, man. The uh, Yeah, the, especially the last two days in the broad equities have been very fun to follow. Crude oil has been interesting. Yeah, lots of interesting stuff to take a look at. Uh, speaking of oil, I think I think we can start with the, uh, the big news of t- today. Uh, we're recording this Wednesday, October 5th. Uh, OPEC is cutting its output by 2 million barrels a day. Love that. I love that. That that was just fantastic to see. Primarily because if you've been following those probabilities from the like the OPEC watch tool, yeah. they have been all over the freaking map with an overwhelming majority favoring no change in terms of production. And then all of a sudden, um yesterday a hike came up and a cut probability of them cutting production was at like zero percent so it is my favorite when the market just gets it completely fucking wrong and that's exactly what happens couldn't have been more wrong yeah yeah that is isn't that it's just a delightful reminder that uh nobody fucking has a clue yes dude like everybody that talks about you know, efficient market hypothesis. I think that there's efficacy to aspects of it, even if you want to discuss like semi form. But stuff like this is a just fantastic reminder of exactly that. We are all just figuring it the fuck out on the fly. And sometimes we are dead wrong, which is exactly what happened. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if uh, <laughs> if they've already started raising gas prices. I haven't gone to the gas station yet today. That's actually a really good question. I have no idea either. But I do know that uh, we are one month away from an election. And uh uh-huh. 
the the the, the White House uh, can't be too happy with with this particular news. What do you mean? In, inflation is still super high. Recession is kicking off in force. Global global <laughs> meltdown pending. Now we've just gas prices are going to go up. To me, it sounds like they're coming in with a whole different script. They're going for like the doomsday scenario, and they're crushing it. Because I'm looking at this like the housing market is starting to contract pretty heavy. Yeah. Mortgage rates are up. Like, I'm like, genuinely, where's the fucking good news besides the buy the dip people? You know, hats off to those soldiers out there that are on the buy the dip (laughs) trade because they're the only happy ones right now, unless you could trade to the downside, which has been actually really fruitful. Okay. Well, no no word on whether uh, politics was able to save the, the oil production. Well, I was going to say, I, I wouldn't say that politics didn't save oil production because Biden put out that statement politely asking energy companies to lower prices. So, I mean, I think yeah. we're saved, right? That's how that works. We'll be good. We'll be good for sure. Yeah, you, you, you just <laughs> ask and then that's it. Never mind the P&L of the individual companies attempting to provide the energy. Never mind any sort of government incentives for them to do so. You just have to ask. I've been fucking this up the whole time. I just need to start calling these CEOs of all the companies I invest in and say, hey, guys, could you just be worth more? Like, can we just do that real quick? Right, right. Could you just do some share buybacks at a higher price? Whatever they want to do. Just make it worth more money because apparently Uh, all you have to do is ask and that's it. Then it's good. I guess I guess uh, National Security Council Communications Coordinator. I know that's quite a title. uh, John Kirby is quoted uh, as saying that uh, OPEC was just adjusting back their numbers down a little bit. Uh, he was saying that they were actually claiming to be producing three and a half million more barrels than they really were. Got it. So this is just them getting back publicly where they were actually really are. And I guess, to be honest, like going back to all of that shit talking, I was talking about the market getting it completely fucking wrong. Yeah. That actually makes a lot of sense to me, man, because when I was looking at the move in crude oil today, based on that news, it didn't move as much as I thought it was going to, because I thought I was going to be, again, man, like I thought I was going to be rolling in so much fucking money that I could just use it to heat my house in the winter instead of... (laughs) You don't need oil. Yeah, I'll just use use all the money that I made, but I was like, I did make money, but it wasn't as much as I was expecting. So that makes a ton of sense. Yeah, so maybe maybe we won't see much of a shift at the pump, but Regardless, you know what? Uh, what's getting a lot more press than OPEC is? Uh, uh, I heard a rumor that Elon Musk is now really is gonna buy Twitter after all. I'm pretty sure he just wakes up and he literally says, "Let me see who could piss off today," and he just <laughs> says something to do that. <laughs> I, dude, super funny story. I was interviewed for a Bloomberg article when the Twitter deal was first announced. Yeah, And I put on a trade. I actually had a pretty big trade wrapped around that news. And as soon as I got the move on the initial announcement after the rumblings were, were occurring, I bought it right before the announcement. And then the announcement came and I sold over half the position. And then I essentially had a stop waiting to get out on the rest. And the mm-hmm. girl that was interviewing me, she was just like, oh, you know, it's really interesting. Like, it looks like it should be bid up a little bit more for the buyout. Like, why did you sell? And I literally said... I sold because it's Elon fucking Musk, and I don't trust that this goddamn deal is going to go through. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
exactly <laughs> what I told her, dude. And sure as shit, man, like this whole saga, I just sent her that article again today. So <laughs> it's like, I guess it is going through. Who the fuck knows? Well, I mean, the timing to me is a little suspicious. We're like two weeks out from the, the court hearing where Twitter's trying to get the judge to make Elon go through with the deal. Right. I mean, what do you think the odds are that uh, that as soon as it clears the court hurdles, he changes his mind again? I genuinely he he's got me juked out, man. Like if I was playing him on the basketball court right now, my ankles are broken and I'm sitting on the ground. <laughs> I genuinely have no fucking idea at this point because here's the underlying thing that I applied to this thought process: is Elon is not stupid. He's not stupid, man. So I know that he's not just flippantly going back and forth just because it's fun. I don't I truly don't think that's the case. I think he's wiser than that. Yeah. I'm just too stupid to understand like what he's actually doing. And I I really don't know. For a while I thought it was he wanted the bot stuff to be admitted in court so that everybody could talk about it and then he could use that to renegotiate the price. Mm. And then when he recently just said Nah, fam, I'll just buy it at the original price. That I was like, what? What's happening right now? Like, what? That just threw me for the biggest loop, dude. So I really have no idea. What? What? What's your expectation? My expectation is that the most epic thing that I want to see. I don't know if 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 this is a realistic expectation, but I want I want everything to be going through. And then these banks that are financing it, like Morgan Stanley, I want them to, to come in and be like, oh, um, yeah, we uh, we can't do that financing anymore because there's too many bots. That would be interesting. The problem, obviously, with Elon is even though he's using partners, he doesn't need any. He doesn't. He, he could. I guess he could. He could just sell off enough Tesla tank, tank that stock price. Yeah, it looks like maybe thirteen billion of this deal has uh, been already on the hook for financing. Yeah, so we'll 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 see we'll we'll see what happens. I I would imagine the banks will have some some sort of reaction. They can't be they can't be happy about the way it's playing out. That's actually a really good point. I I haven't I haven't thought much about that side of it, but I I agree with you, especially just because. When you're trying to get assets in place for a potential move, like they're just in limbo. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, oh, we lined up that $13 billion you asked for. Oh, just <laughs> put it on pause. That's that's what. Okay. I, I, I guess we'll just put that in a short term CD. Oh, wait, you need it again. Okay. Never mind. We won't put it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And well, and with, with inflation and what the market's doing. <laughs> Well, we put we put thirteen billion aside. There's only ten there now. <laughs> Give us a second. We'll find I, some more. I feel like the banks at this point have to. They were like, I think of that Ben Affleck meme where he's like standing outside, like sighing, smoking a cigarette. Yeah, that is exactly what I think the banks have to look like whenever Elon Musk is calling again. Uh, they just got to be like, motherfucker. Do I really have to take this call? God, I have to take this call. <laughs> Shit. New phone. Who dis? Yeah. yeah. Sorry, I lost your number. <laughs> and in further electric vehicle car news, speaking of Tesla, it looks like uh, the U.S. government is backing away from working with Berkshire Hathaway to filter all that lithium out of the Salton Sea and use it for EV batteries. 
I didn't see that one. Could you tell me more about it? Back in January 2021, the Department of Energy gave a big grant to yep. Berkshire uh, to study how they could get that lithium out. And uh, which, you know, uh, I think there's three, currently three companies positioned to to start working that lithium out of Salton Sea, which is a huge ecological disaster. I encourage anyone who's interested in <laughs> ecological disasters to, to read up on the Salton Sea. You could make a whole podcast about uh, what's happened there because, you know, it used to be a big resort in the 50s, 60s and 70s. Mm-hmm. But the Energy Department has rescinded the grant after Berkshire requested what the Energy Department called a material change to the project. Do we know what the change was? Just out of curiosity. Not offhand. I do not know what that, quote, material change was. Fair enough. Uh, I'll, I'll look into it. I'm just genuinely curious because um, Berkshire is another, they're another organization I, I have followed and studied their actions for literally the past 50 years, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um I read all of the shareholder letters every single year. Like I am a huge, huge follower of Berkshire just because their approach to the markets is honestly so different than mine. So I go out of my way to make sure that I stay in touch with a different, obviously very successful approach. So I'm just really, really curious what they saw in that. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm still when, when it comes to electric vehicle investing for the future, like I I think Berkshire is, one of the best ways to go. I mean, not only are they the huge conglomerate, but like there's so much lithium that they can be extracting from the Salton Sea and they have very wisely positioned themselves to do it. Let's see. Uh, asked about the grant withdrawal. Biden administration officials said there are inherent risks in funding R&D projects and noted that several companies, including Berkshire, are still working on U.S. lithium projects. They said it was a result of a mutual decision. It's not going to bar Berkshire from applying for future federal funding. Um, I guess they're having problems extracting that lithium from the Salton Sea uh, brine, according to three sources with direct knowledge of the operation who declined to be identified so as not to jeopardize future relationships with the company. Interesting. In a statement to Routers, Berkshire said it had planned to develop a first-of-its-kind demonstration plant to produce lithium hydroxide, but subsequently decided to use a commercially proven process to produce lithium carbonate instead. So, so I guess, I guess that was the, that would be the change, right? That they were going for lithium hydroxide and they're like, okay, that, that's not going to work. We'll, we'll use this other process. I'm unfamiliar with the cascading effects. This is one of my favorite things about being an investor and trader though. Like the fact that you get to learn about so many fucking things that you would never otherwise come into contact with, like what you and I are talking about right now, how many people outside of traders even are, are aware of that unless they're in the EV space? Um, we'll, we'll see. We'll see if, uh, I I don't think Berkshire Hathaway really needs the grants to make this happen. Well, I don't know. Like that, that's always the fun part of the conversation too, is a lot of people see big companies like that. And we immediately think, oh, you know, they, they have the resources, they have the resources and they do to your point, they certainly could do it without the grant, but there's understanding their decision cycles has taught me a lot about the concept of opportunity costs and where we choose to spend resources. Mm. So I imagine that grant is probably a huge part of that calculus for them Yeah, for it to be worth the expenditure of resources there. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm really interested in that one. I got to learn some more about it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I guess to, to cap the story, uh, their decision to make decision not to make high hy- lithium hydroxide from the Salton sea and forego that federal funding 
indicates uh, that they likely face far more complex technical challenges than they expected mm. for analysts told routers. That makes sense. Yeah. I could, I could see that. Like if you materially change the entire process. Yep. So, so far, so far, no one is making commercial lithium from the salt and sea brines, but they will someday. It's, it's there. They just got to get at it. Makes me wonder how tricky the process is. Spe- speaking of tricky processes, did you see the news about the UN essentially reaching out to the Fed, asking them to stop raising rates? <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Oh, it's so good. Dude. So good. Please, please, sir, please don't raise your rates again. Yeah, I fucking love that. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, hey, guys, so, you know, it really sucks over here. Can y'all chill the fuck out? <laughs> And the, again, like one of the things I was thinking about is also like my opinion of Musk and Berkshire. I think the Fed is pretty smart. Like they're, they're not stupid people. So they, in my opinion, are fully well aware of the impact of what we're doing on the globe and the capacity for the globe to successfully service debt, especially because a lot of it's in U.S. dollars. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think they're not ignorant to the impact, especially on emerging countries. So their messaging has been abundantly clear all throughout this year that we're we're going to keep going until inflation is under control and it makes me think that this is the UN I'm sure they already had dialogue you know before coming out with a with a statement like this but this sounds like they're trying to bring it more into a public sphere because I like the Fed knows what they're doing the UN obviously is just in a bad position right now so I think this puts the Fed in a just incredibly complex scenario yeah. between managing inflation here and then now they're essentially getting tasked with ceasing a fucking global recession. That's one of the things that's frustrated me about like the politicization of inflation because, you know, mm-hmm. it's an election cycle. We're hearing yep. all about it. And I'm like, this is a global thing. Like, First of all, like no no one political party is going to solve this. Right. Like doesn't matter who's in power. Doesn't matter who's in power. You're not going to get a political solution here. And and second of all, like the Fed is trying to solve a global problem. Like they can only do so much with their tools. Well, we uh we we, we were talking earlier in the week uh, about how uh they only seem to be using just the one tool and I think I think it was the UN that was like, you know, you've got other things you could try, but that that also also, the UN themselves, like they've got to, they, I, I think they know that they're not going to change Fed policy. I think it's, I think it's lip service for them. Like they want to be able to say to these emerging uh, countries, they want to say to these countries with emerging economies, like, look, we tried, we tried to talk some sense into it. Uh, yeah, I, man, we are, we are just at such a fascinating point. Here I go. See, before we started, I was like, should we talk about stocks or should we talk about macro? Apparently, I'm a fucking macro guy now. I need to jump <laughs> off a building because I don't know what the hell it is lately, but this is the only shit I'm talking about. It's not even what I do. God damn it. <laughs> what? All right. Well, you know, let's talk about some stocks, Eric. What, what stocks do you want to talk about? Apparently, I can't talk about stocks because even when I, I brought up the crude oil stuff and I was like, oh, yeah, cool trade in crude oil. Wait a minute. Let's talk about the UN and global recessions. Uh-huh, Bro, uh-huh. 
This is out of control. I I actually think it's because just the macro environment right now is so intriguing to me. Yeah. And it has a outsized impact on the markets, I think, right now. If if I were to to guess on my recent fascination with it, but damn. I, I yeah. I'm just so curious how the Fed is gonna tiptoe around this. Because they can't just they can't just say to the UN like fuck off. That's not gonna work. But then they also can't say, like, yeah, dude, sure, we'll chill the fuck out. I don't think that'll work for the US. So, like, what what is the answer? <laughs> I would love to see Powell come out and be like, well, we were going to raise rates again, but UN said chill out. So I guess we'll drop them 50 bips. Here you go. I'm guessing the next time we see Powell, he's going to come out and just say, guys, I'm like really fucking tired. I'm going to take a week off. Catch you on a bit. <laughs> just bounce. <laughs> he's going to be in uh, Turks and Caicos on the beach. Mm-hmm. He's just got to relax a little bit. Um, the only other thing I was going to bring up real quick is just a couple things that are coming out this week that I think still look interesting. So the uh, manufacturing, oh my God, more macro. Okay. Well, here we go. Okay. Here Um, we go. Yeah. The uh, manufacturing index came out on Monday, which I thought was interesting. Same thing with construction spending. You can get both of those on the the Fed webpage. So I, I won't spend time there. Um, but looking at the rest of the week, we have jobless claims coming out tomorrow, nat gas inventories, and then on Friday, non-farm payrolls, unemployment rate, and then earnings, average earnings year over year. So I bring those up just because especially nat gas and especially unemployment rate slash jobless claims, I think both of those are very top of mind. They've been part of the Fed's conversation points um, you know, as it pertains to their attempt to wrangle in inflation, right? They've said pretty, pretty clearly that unemployment needs to come up a little bit in order for it to hit their benchmarks so that yeah. they can get inflation under control as part of their other levers. So um, I think that number coming out Friday is going to be interesting. If I'm not mistaken, unemployment rate is expected to be at 3.7%. So we'll see. We'll see where we land, but it's expected to be 3.7. Yep, yep, yep. All right, one last thing before we go. I know we're going a little long, but, you know, the conversation's good and it's easy to forget uh, that there's some time constraints here. Uh, I'd like to end on a nice feel-good story that warmed my heart. Uh, Kim Kardashian got fined $1.26 million for, uh, from the SEC for touting a crypto coin and it just warmed my heart to know that somebody out there pushing crypto is paying paying for it well now i know where all these crypto bots are coming from they're all emulating my fucking social media accounts and messaging all my friends saying to jump in on this cryptocurrency scheme now i know that's really just kim kardashian behind a fucking keyboard God damn it. Yep. The article I came across on Axios was pointing out that Matt Damon and Larry David have gone unpunished. Uh, the big difference for people wondering what she did that was different is Matt Damon and Larry David were both pushing cryptocurrency platforms, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the, the exchanges to trade them, while uh, Kim Kardashian was on her Instagram pushing a specific cryptocurrency without disclosing 
the amount of money she was paid to advertise it. Got it. That is actually a really interesting differentiation. I didn't know that. Right, right. So that put her under the jurisdiction of the SEC because it was an individual security that she was like, hey, y'all. That's fascinating. All I need to do is get some ass implants and wear some jorts and then I could be the next cryptocurrency pumper. If you get those ass implants... I'll, I'll watch your sex tape. Well, I mean, I thought you were paying for them, so. <laughs> you don't want the ass implants that I can afford. <laughs> Going to have you in the back alley down in South Those Tucson. Balloons. Thanks. <laughs> don't sit down oh. too fast. <laughs> right, right. Oh, all right. Folks, thanks for sticking around to the end. We hope you had a good time. Hope you learned a thing or two. I know I sure did. And thank you, Eric, for joining us today. I know everybody was missing Kyle, but, you know, life stuff happens and all of a sudden, occasionally, you're not able to make it the last minute. But that's okay. We forgive it. We still love Kyle. And he'll be back in the shop too soon. And we'll be back at you with all the exciting lovey-dovey bullshit that we, we throw around here in the shop. But until then, happy trades. Oh, also in like and share and subscribe and all all that jazz. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs>